We are continuing on our series today. We're in Acts chapter 16, our passage is verses 6 through 10 of chapter 16. Follow along with me. Paul and his companions traveled throughout the region of Phrygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man of Macedonia standing and begging him, Come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. Last week, we got a glimpse of God's vision as we talked about Peter and his vision of the unclean animals and his call to go talk to Cornelius, the Roman centurion. Paul apparently finally learned deeply what God meant when Jesus in Matthew 28 said, go to all nations. Nations, I'll remind you, meant that it means people groups, not necessarily country borders. There may be and probably will be several people group groups within a nation, within a country, and each one we are to take the gospel to. Therefore, a nation has dual meanings, a group of people from the same country and a country with specific borders. When you look into the Greek meaning there in Matthew 28, 19, and it says that go to all nations, the word for nations there is ethos, from the word we get ethnic. And it means a race, a tribe, specifically a foreign one, Gentile, heathen, nation, people. So again, in Jesus and his speaking to them, telling them to go to all nations, if they had been listening astutely to what Jesus said, they'd have picked up instantly that he was speaking primarily of going beyond the Jewish people to whom they were ministering to and going to those outside the Jewish race, the Gentiles, the ones they considered barbarians, the ones they considered unworthy to know the gospel. But God said, go. In our passage today, we see God represented geographically by this map that's going to show. Acts chapter 16 is telling of Paul's third missionary journey. We see Antioch up here. Right over here is where Paul was at that time. And he had tried, he wanted to minister into this area. This is Galatia that's mentioned. This area is Phrygia. As you get over here, this is my Asia. This map doesn't say it there, but up there just cut off is Bithynia. So Paul was wanting to go up in here to preach the gospel. And Jesus God closed that door. He wouldn't let them go there. And Paul could have misunderstood, could have been confused, could have wondered because he was trying to do a good thing. He was trying to do what God said, preaching the gospel, but God had other plans for him. Paul, interestingly enough, just so you know, this is Tarsus, and that was Paul's home. Paul was from Tarsus. 
So he's made his way here across what we know now, this is Turkey, the nation of Turkey, the country of Turkey. And interestingly enough to me, because it, it didn't come natural to me, this area here is all considered Asia. This is Western Asia. I'm not sure what I would have thought it was, but I wouldn't have thought it was Asia, but it is. This is considered Asian, part of the Asian landmass. But Paul and God talking to him is here at Troas trying to seek where God would have him to go. And that's where he receives the vision to come over. This is Macedonia, which is all of this is the Grecian Peninsula. You see Corinth down here. There's Thessalonica, Berea, Philippi, all towns that Paul ministered to. And so God is expanding this vision he has letting the apostles know very geographically where he wanted them to go. With Peter, he had indicated uh, the nations, the peoples that he wanted to uh, spread the word to. But here he's talking geographically how he wanted that to spread into Europe. And Paul readily agreed to that. He made, uh, the scripture tells us, as soon as they understood that was what God wanted, plans to go into Macedonia to preach the gospel. And in Macedonia, they, they ran into a peoples. When they got down to Corinth and, and, and Athens, they ran into very religious people, people who worshiped people in, uh, in, uh, in Athens who had erected a, a statue for every god they could think of. And to make sure they didn't exclude anybody, they erected a, a, a monument to the unknown God to make sure they covered their bases and didn't offend any gods. And Paul used that as a jumping off point to say, I want to tell you about this unknown God. And he then used that to explain to them about Jesus Christ, about who he was, and about God, Jehovah God, the supreme God, so Paul took that challenge from God, embraced the vision of God, and went into a land. And Paul, as we have talked about, was a Jew among Jews. He had all the right lineage, all the right families, all the right training. If anyone, it should have been hard for him to embrace this change. It would have been him. But he was so sold out to God, and God had changed his heart so tremendously on the road to Damascus that he was ready. I'm ready, God. And he took off. God's desire, his mission, his vision has always been for every person on earth to be in full fellowship with him. That's what he's desired. In Genesis 1, we have God's creation of the earth. And the, the chapter 1 starts with each day, and it, it talks about what God did on each day. And in Genesis 1, 27 and 28, we read of His work on the sixth day when God created mankind. And that verse says, So God created mankind in His own image. In the image of God, He created them. Male and female, He created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. That was God's vision. 
As we continue in the book of Genesis, we come to Genesis chapter 6 and we're introduced to Noah. We're introduced to a very, very wicked time. We understand the story where Adam and Eve had disobeyed God and with that sin entered into man and it was passed to every man, woman, and child and wickedness increased. And the wickedness got so bad that it grieved God's heart. In a way here we have death of a vision. God had seen something happening, but because of the wickedness of man, it was thwarted, it seemed. God said, I've got to do something. I'm going to wipe mankind off the earth. And he brought a flood. But he was able to know about Noah. A long time ago, I sang in a choir, and it had Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. And it was a great bass line. I can't do it anymore. My voice has gone up. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Noah did find grace. And God found in Noah a man who would obey to do the craziest thing anybody had ever heard of. They didn't have rain. They didn't have floods. And here Noah is told to build a boat. And not just any boat, but a huge boat. An ark, we call it, because it was going to carry the animals. Some of us went last year, went this summer, to see the ark in Williamstown. And if you haven't done it, I encourage you to, because as you walk up to it, you'll just keep going like this, as you see how huge it is. But Noah obeyed. Noah did what God said. He endured the ridicule of his people. When the ark was ready, they all went inside, and it tells us God sealed the doors and the rains fell, flooded the whole nations, covering the mountaintops. After the waters receded, God opened the door. And in Genesis 9-1, we read God speaking. Then God blessed Noah and his sons, saying to them, Be fruitful and increase in number and fill the earth. Once again, we see this vision of God that people would fill the earth. In Genesis 15, 4 and 5, we read of God's promise to Abraham. Abraham, who had grown up in the uh, Ur of the Chaldees around Iran, in uh, modern-day Iran. He hears God say, I want you to go to a land that I'm going to show you. He didn't even know where he was going. Something else that was crazy. I think about Sarah, his wife. And Noah, uh, Abraham comes in to her and says, uh, Sarah, we're going to move. Well, where are we going? I don't know. We're just going to go. And I can see the dialogue go back and forth. But Abraham, I've just gotten this house set up the way I like it. I've just gotten the curtains I want up. I've just gotten the furniture in place. And now you're saying I've got to leave it and go. And Abraham says, yes. And she said, yes. And they traveled to the Canaan land. And God said to Abram, the word of the Lord came to him, Genesis 15, 4 and 5, because Abram, Abram struggled with faith. He was a man of faith. But God had made him a promise. And Abram wasn't seeing that promise come true. So he did what we do. He tried to fix it himself. 
And he's sitting pondering in, in Genesis chapter 15, thinking, well, maybe my lineage, my heir, will be the son of Eliezer, one of his kinsmen. And that's where God comes in in our verse. Then the word of the Lord came to him, this man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. And then he took Abram outside and he said, look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. Tremendous promise again to this one man with a wife getting aged, seeing no, 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 nothing happening to this event. But God tells him, look up. And I'd love to be in that part of the world in that time with no city lights to look up at the stars. It had to be just a blanket. I've, I've had a few occasions. So what Abram saw, and he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. But God went beyond that. In verse 18, God defined the land that he wanted to give Abram seed very geographically again. Verse 18 says, On that day the Lord made a covenant with Abram and said, To your descendants I give this land from the wadi or river of Egypt to the great river, the Euphrates. And God goes on to define that land by listing the peoples, the tribes that lived there. So Abram would have known exactly where God was talking about. But God shares this vision about how he wants a peoples in this land, a specific people unto himself. Time passes, 400 plus years pass. The Israelites go to Egypt. They're under oppression. They cry out to God. God rises up Moses, and he, Moses is able to lead them out. Pharaoh finally says, get out of here. And they go and they cross the desert. And God promises them that promised land that he had promised Abram. God keeps his promises. And he reminded them again that there's a land. In Leviticus 20, 24, God is recounting to the Israelites. But I said to you, you will possess their land. I will give it to you as an inheritance, a land flowing with milk and honey, I am the Lord your God who has set you apart from the nations. Over and over again in the Old Testament and the New Testament, we see God's mission, His vision. God has been working since He first created Adam and Eve to see a world filled with His human children worshiping Him. We see the end of the story in Revelation chapter 21, 3 and 4. We read this prophecy of a new heaven and a new earth and God's will completed. Those verses say, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling is now among people, and He will dwell with them. They will be His people, and God Himself will be with them and be their God. And then this promise, He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain.
for the old order of things has passed away. And so God gives us a glimpse of the end of the story when his vision is fulfilled and we're all part of his kingdom. In all these cases I've mentioned and more, God's vision is shown of a world filled with his creation, full, fully fellowshipping him and worshiping him and having an intimate, close relationship with him like he had with Adam and Eve in the garden. God desired Adam and Eve to have children. Originally, that is, before their sin, Adam and Eve would have borne children that were in perfect communion with God like they were. And that's who God wanted to fill the earth. After the flood, God had Noah, a man who feared and obeyed God, and told his family to replenish the earth. Noah and his family were people of faith. They were righteous people. And in filling the earth, they would have filled the earth with other God-believers. Abraham was a man who heard God and obeyed, and he was to be a father of a great nation. We call him the father of faith. God gave the Israelites his commands that they would be a people of God proclaiming God's greatness throughout the earth. The things that God did for them and taught them about how to live, how to eat, made them healthy, strong, and let them outlast other people. God gave them his law, not just the law of scripture, but the dietary laws so that they would be healthy, complete people so that they could go into the world and proclaim to the world Jehovah God, a good God. In the New Testament, in the book of Acts that we're studying, God established his church to carry the message of Jesus Christ to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. We've read how he compelled Philip to go talk to the Ethiopian eunuch, how he compelled Peter to go and talk to Cornelius, the Roman centurion, and today, Paul, to go into Europe, to Greece specifically, to Macedonia, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. God's vision, his desire, what he wants has never wavered or changed. He desires for all men to come to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. He desires an earth of his people living in harmony. And one day he will return as we read in Revelation and establish that kingdom on earth and wipe away every tear. He will remove all who reject him. Those who love the Lord will live in the presence of the Almighty and never know the ravages of sin anymore. There will be no pain or sorrow. But we're not there yet. God is still working on his vision. And he's calling his people to follow in obedience and to proclaim the good news of Jesus Christ to a world that doesn't know him. Throughout history, Jews and Christians have faced persecution and have nearly been wiped out. We have the account in the Old Testament in Samuel with Elijah coming against the prophets of Baal. Elijah did a great battle against the prophets of Baal that day. But then Jezebel threatened his life and he ran to hide 
He was exhausted. He had to be after all that he had done and after traveling those many, many miles. He thought he was alone. He opined, I alone am standing up for God. Some of you might can relate to that loneliness. And you know that we can be lonely in a group of people. Loneliness is not necessarily being alone. We can be alone with a lot around us. It's a feeling. It's deep within. When we think there's no one else, when we think we're by ourselves, when we think no one cares, that's loneliness. God didn't chastise Elijah. He let him rest. He fed him. Then he said, get up. I've got something for you to do. And he says, oh, by the way, there are 7,000 who have not bowed the knees to Baal. Elijah, you're not alone. God had saved a remnant. Time after time, when these kind of events happened, God saved a remnant. When the Israelites were taken captivity to Babylon, God maintained a remnant, and true to His promise, they returned to the land to start worship again. Time and time again, when the New Testament Christians were scattered because of the persecution, a remnant continued on in the towns and villages worshiping Jesus Christ. And that persecution served not to snuff out the church of Christ, but to expand it. God preserved a remnant. We have an enemy that seeks to stop the ways of God on earth. We have an enemy that wants to thwart his will, his desire, his vision. But God keeps a remnant. At one time, things looked bleak here at Campbellsburg. You remember the walls. You remember the doorway we couldn't use. You remember the declining numbers. You remember the struggle with COVID. I dare say some thought perhaps the end was close for this place of worship. But God preserved a remnant. And through God's blessing, the temple has been restored. And His church is growing again. You who have remained are that remnant that God has preserved for His good pleasure. You are that remnant that He has given the blessings to and the task to continue His vision here in Campbellsburg. He has passed the mantle of those who have gone before to you. Many people that you tell me about that I wish I could meet, tremendous people of faith, some gone, some living, but no longer here with us, who taught you in Sunday school, who led Team Kid, who did ministry after ministry, and now the mantle is passed to us. The mantle is a great blessing, but it's a great challenge. We have that calling before God, and God does not force anything on us. And so the question comes to us, will we receive both the blessings and the challenge? Will we give God praise and honor for what He has done? And will we carry His message to the nine out of ten homes 
in our county that don't worship on any given Sunday. God has a vision for this church. He's preserved it for a reason. He's kept it going for His vision to be accomplished. God's will will prevail. It can prevail with someone else. And so, God has a vision that we can grasp. I have a great vision for this church, for the beacon that it can be in this community. Some of that vision might trouble some of you. You might not understand. You might wonder why some of the things I lead in and do. But it's all to help build up the body and to proclaim Jesus Christ to a lost and dying county that needs to know Him. A city that needs to know Him. A city that needs His peace. A city that needs His strength. A city that needs His wisdom and knowledge and sustaining through tough times. And God in His wisdom has chosen to use us to tell them. Will we? That's the question. There's an old phrase, where there's a will, there's a way. In that, the trouble is not the way. The way is well known. It's well prepared. There's, way, there's many well-defined ways to go to do God's task. The question is the will. And that's where God brings us in His vision. It is my prayer that we step up to that vision, that we honor all those who have gone before, that we honor our God who says to us, I did this for you.